Now, go back with me to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Guys, I, I think there's many of you who are serious students of God's word in here. And I think you know that in any, in any Pauline epistle, <clears throat> he arranges it such that the doctrinal portion of the book is in the early parts, in the, in the opening chapters. Every one of his epistles are like that. Uh, he will have a doctrinal section and then he will close with something that is more of a practical se- uh, section. He's, do- he's doing that in the book of Romans as well. Um, uh, th- th- those great themes, those great theological themes in the first themes in the first 11 chapters of Romans have now given way to a, um, really what, what, what you're getting here is Paul's uh, doctrine of the church. And at the center of Paul's doctrine of the church has to do with this this um, this metaphor of the body. That is, in Paul's mind, the thing that best illustrates and best describes how he thinks the church should function has to do with the body. And he, he does that in, the, in, in verses uh, 4 and 5. And then uh, we come to verse 6, which we looked at last week, and he begins to mention specific roles to play Specific gifts that have been given and granted by the Holy Spirit of God. Um, I, I've gone over this before, but let me say, um, there's some 18 of them, the, depending on how you number them. Um, we're going to do this. This is the second of four weeks. We're going to do it two more weeks. I'm going to do four tonight. The four that are in that text, that'll give us seven. That'll mean there's eight left or so um, that we'll do in the, the remaining two weeks. So what he, what he gives you, what I'm doing is simply dealing with the text. He, he mentions having gifts that, verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching. That's what we did last week. Now we come to verse 8, and he says, and he mentions four more in one verse. The one who exhorts in his exhortation, there's one. The one who contributes in generosity, there's two. The one who leads with zeal, that's three. And the one who does acts of mercy, with chillfulness. That's number four. So you have the gift of exhortation, the gift of giving, the gift of leading slash ruling, whatever word you like, and the, and the gift of mercy. So those are the four that we'll look at tonight. And then next week, we'll, as I said, we'll, we'll get the other eight that are not mentioned in Romans, but are mentioned either in Ephesians 4 or 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, guys, we come first to this gift of exhortation. And, um, you know, I hate to, I, I mean, I, I, I'm about to say something that I don't really mean, but I really mean it. Uh, of all the gifts that I as a pastor would love to see generously and frequently exercised, it's the gift of exhortation. Now, I, I say that because, I mean, I said that first silly thing, because I shouldn't really pick out one. When, the, when God the Holy Spirit puts a gift in the body, it's important. I'm just simply saying that from my vantage point, as a pastor, the one that I would really like to see exercised more frequently is the gift of exhortation. And let me explain why I would say that. Um, again, it doesn't work. Um, okay. Boy, that is... Brent told me this would never happen again, but... Um, um, okay. The, the Greek word that's translated... Um, The Greek word that's translated um, exhortation is the Greek word parakletos. It's a word that's a combination of, uh, that's an A, a para alongside of and called. Called alongside of. Now, guys, um, the, the reason that I, I point this out is because this is a term that is used to describe the Holy Spirit in John 16. 
In John 16, when Jesus says, I'm going to send a helper, the word that's there is the word parakletos. When Jesus gets ready to send the Holy Spirit, one of the names that he selects out of the Greek vocabulary to describe the the functioning of the Holy Spirit among God's people is that one, parakletos. The Holy Spirit is called alongside of. And so you come to Romans chapter 12 and you see, you, you see uh, the gift of exhortation. Guess what the word is? It's that one. Well, when I say the one that I would love to see exercised most frequently, it's simply saying this function that the Holy Spirit performs amongst his people as an exhorter and, a, and a, an comforter and an encourager, wouldn't that be marvelous to see it operating frequently among us. Guys, um, in the Greek New Testament, this word is translated in three different English words. It's translated exhorter or exhortation. It's translated encouragement. um, And it's translated uh, comfort. Those are all three things that the Holy Spirit of God does. But he is particularly gifted some to represent him well. <laughs> to provide exhortation and to provide comfort and to provide encouragement. Guys, when this thing is, is, is functioning, it can, it can have an exhortative sense to it. That is, it can preclude problems. It can say, don't do that. <laughs> Or it can have that, that comforting, encouraging dimension that it can, re- it can repair when problems have occurred. In whatever it form it takes, it, it essentially it is God's people coming alongside or being called alongside of other of God's people to, to perform a function. To either encourage them when they're down or to exhort them not to go in that path or to, um, to comfort them in the midst of their own failings. That's why I say to you, if, if I had to choose one that I would like to see functioning oh so frequently among us, it would be that one. That God's people would be um, paraklesos or paraklesosing each other. Now, um, I haven't done much to define it. I'm just telling you that's, that's why I'm, I'm fond of it. Um, but, but an encourager, an exhorter, depending on which word you, you, you like, again, the New Testament uses all those words, it's, it's a function of people who come, who enjoy ministering comfort and exhortation and encouragement and counsel to other members of the body. Um, that's another word that I, I should have mentioned too. This, this word of counsel. Um, do you find that people come to you and look for advice and are, and are asking you to, to, to help them through their naughty, uh, problems or circumstances? It's a willingness and an eagerness to share one's own confidence in God, in, in His provision and His faithfulness, um, that ends up providing the kind of, um, comfort, uh, encouragement that, that God's people need. If you've got the gift of exhortation, guys, you're, you're one that's approachable. 
you, you tend to be somewhat affectionate and understanding people. That is, you're, you're, um, you're a real lover of people. It's a desire to, to motivate others towards concrete achievement and to, to prescribe practical steps of action. That's a, that's a good definition. Um, it's the ability to see how trials can produce new growth in others. Uh, it's a tendency to avoid systems of information which lack practical application. If those things uh, ring, or, you know, if that's something that you think describes you, you may have a good exhortation. Um, the, the primary tool that the exhorter uses in his exhortation is the scriptures. So one of the things that's um, needed, in, if you've got that gift, is a real knowledge of what God has to say. Um, they would much rather talk to one person than a group because they're going to come alongside and point out the confidence that they have in God's promises and his provisions. Um, you know, th- these are the people who are frequently putting in a good word for somebody else whose work has gone unnoticed. Isn't that a, isn't that a, isn't that a beautiful sounding thing? Wouldn't it be it wouldn't it be wonderful to see that um, functioning so frequently among us? Um, it's 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 a person who's often looking to preclude problems before they before they happen. Um, they have an optimistic out, outlook and a, and they they tend to see the bright side of people. But they have such a confidence in God's word that they're they're eager to say. Uh, you better listen to it before you make decisions to do this. They're exhortative, but they're also real comforters. They're encouragers. You know, the classic example, of course, in the scriptures is a guy by the name of Barnabas. He was called the son of encouragement. And you remember that? You remember? Do you remember? You remember the classic illustration of Barnabas being Barnabas? Do you remember what he did? You know, Paul was being the one that he, that had persecuted the church so much, and and then he gets converted on the road to Damascus, and so he shows back up at Jerusalem and introduces himself to the church. <laughs> and the church is understandably a little bit skeptical about having Paul in their midst. And who is it that comes alongside him and assures the church that this guy's fine? Is this guy by the name of Barnabas, the son of encouragement, the one who who tend to who tended to 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 have a real bright outlook and, and look on the good side of people. And, and you know, you, you can't say, but you, one wonders just how, how, how quickly, how soon Paul would have been absorbed in the, in the things of the body of Christ had it not been for an encourager, an exhorter, a parakletos. A, the, 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 um, the verb is parakaleo. It's, it's just a family of words. But it's a word that describes the functioning of the Holy Spirit and that's why I think when it shows up in one of you, it is very beautiful. Um, people are drawn to you. They're particularly drawn to the fact that you um, that you uh, you have a confidence in what God has to say. Um, I, I will say, you know, if you are an exhorter, people are going to misunderstand you because you're always trying to give steps of action so that they can get out of this mess that they're in. And you may appear to, to oversimplify people's problems by, by all of your advice. Um, but they will, in the myth, I, I'll tell you folks, the person that you want alongside you when you're in a, when you're in a trial is not a prophet. You want an exhorter. You want somebody that has the gift of encouragement. You want somebody that will come alongside and, and function and, and give the kind of 
things that the Holy Spirit would give it to you if he were here, which he is in, in dwelling in his people. Okay, um, we have four to do. I could, I could spend all night on one, but um, I'm not going to do that to you because y'all are so critical of my speed. Um, you, you've hurt my feelings. So, uh, uh, No, the second one that's mentioned, I don't know whether you ever heard of this, but did you know that the gift of, or, or that giving is considered a gift? Now, guys, um, uh, I, I should have said this much earlier, not, not associated with this one because you'll, you'll question my motives. But, guys, all of these gifts that are mentioned, for instance, evangelism. We'll get to the gift of evangelism later. Some people have the gift of evangelism. Does that, do you think that, that uh, gets you off the hook? Do you think that you're not supposed to do evangelism because you don't have that gift? No, all of these things are supposed to be things that all of us are doing, but some of us do it better than the others. Now, so when it comes to giving, the giving that goes on in the body of Christ is not uh, done by simply one person that has the gift. We're all supposed to be givers. But there are some who find great delight in using God's resources to meet needs among God's people. They are people who resist high-pressured appeals. Um, they... Uh, Oh, they, 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 in most instances, desire to give quietly and anonymously. Um, they, they, they find great joy in discovering that their, that their gifts were, were answers to prayer. They, they tend to make wise purchases and wise investments. And I would even go so far as to say that making money is more easy for them than it is for some of us. Um, there's, um, There's a real reluctance on your part to be pressured for money. You, you're, you're a studied giver, but, um, but you find, you find giving a joy. Um, uh, folks, um, you know, oftentimes if you've got the gift of giving, um, you're going to be misunderstood as somebody that's awfully uh, carnal and temporal because you you want to you might want to make sure that money is um, uh, managed well. Um, again, I say you don't respond to pressured appeals nor highly emotional appeals. But um, I was um, well, I, I don't think I have the gift of giving, and yet I, I am a giver. Um, but I know givers. I know people who enjoy giving. And they are, um, they're, they're an interesting breed. There's not many in the, in, in, in fact, I heard somebody say that uh, every church has about 6% of their numbers. I don't know where he got that. But, uh, they're, they're not, they're not a whole lot of them out there. But there's some who enjoy the, the, the whole idea of being able to use their material resources, um, with liberality. And, um, while the rest of us, um, often give out of duty, they get a great delight. A great, I mean, you, you know, you, uh, when, when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, is it when he says, um, uh, God loves a cheerful giver? Well, they're pretty cheerful in their giving. Uh, whereas most of us may not get real delight out of it, they do. And if that's you, you might have the gift of giving. And that is uh, certainly one that's mentioned right there in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Let's move to the third one. Uh, has to do with leading. And um, <laughs> again, I could spend the rest of the evening on, on this one. It, it, in other places, it's mentioned uh, as the gift of ruling. I don't know how you want to understand it, but um, 
guys, the, the gift of leadership. Oh, interestingly, um, again, I, I won't write it up there. The, the Greek word is proistemi, which means to stand before. Um, it's, it's the best word I could, the best English word is, it's a, it's a, a one who presides. Um, he, uh, he, he, he takes charge. He takes the lead. I, I want to tell you a quick story just to, I think this would illustrate, but you know, um, in, when I was in that doctoral program, uh, I wrote my, my dissertation was on church planting. <laughs> uh, I wrote a book on church planting thinking that I knew how to do it. I, I, I've told you this before. I don't want you to ever see that book. It's awful. I, I'm embarrassed by it. Um, I've got one volume that's in print. It's in my library. And, and, and Will Savelle stole it in there one day and read it. And it really made me mad. Um, uh, but anyway, in the process of that, you're working with these counselors at Reformed Theological Seminary. And, and one of them said, I, we want to get you on the uh, assessment, um, what do they call it? Uh, the assessment center board. Uh, or faculty or whatever it was. And here's what the assessment center was. In my denomination, the assessment center would evaluate people who think they're church planters. And so all these guys in the denomination who thought that they were church planters, and see, I was writing a book on church planting, um, uh, all these guys that think they're church, they go to this place called the assessment center. And, um, and then there's this little faculty of assessors who try to assess whether or not they are church planters. Now, I was one of those assessors. And here was one of, I'd say all that to get to this. Here was one of the things that we would do. There was like 50 of them there, and they, their wives were with them. Uh, maybe there was like 30 of them there and their wives were with them. I don't know, 75, whatever. And we broke them up into groups, and we put them at tables. And we would take like 12 of them, and we would put them at a table. You know, just, yeah, you, 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 you know, come on over here. You know, and the wives, and they'd all come, and they'd sit around the table. And we would put a packet on the table, just a packet, just a, a, a manila envelope. Um, and it would have a church planting challenge in Scottsdale, Arizona. I think that's where it was. I think it was in Scottsdale, Arizona. It was just, it was just data about Scottsdale and all everything. It was all in there and you just stuck it in the thing. And every table got one of those packets. And as the assessors, here's what we would do. We'd just walk around the room. And after 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, I think it was a three-hour exercise, you would begin to notice around the table who was it that was taking charge. The one to whom everybody else was looking. And the one who, you know, some of them, you know, kind of figured out the whole thing, and so they immediately grabbed the envelope. But after, I mean, before the three hours was up, the real leader would emerge. And, and, you know, maybe he might stay back in the first hour. But before it was all over, people would be handing him the materials and he would be, you know, you could watch it take place right there in front of you. It was fascinating. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the gift of leadership. Put you in a group and see, and see how it works. Because it's, it's this thing that God has given you to... Um, to evoke confidence, to set goals, to, to describe the purpose and what the future would look like, and communicating that in such a way that others buy into it um, and, and are excited about it. Guys, um, I, one of the things that I, I... Well, certainly one of the 
one of the evidences whether or not you have the gift of leadership is this. Just look over your shoulder. Did you get that? Just see if anybody's back there. Because the gift of leadership involves the consent of the lead. And if you don't ever get the consent of the lead, then you don't have the gift of leadership. It's the gift that God gives that people find it easy to follow them. He, this person inspires with confidence. Um, they're, they're, they're men and women of orderly lives, of kind of a clear vision as to where they're headed. And um, it's not simply popularity and an affable personality. Um, but it's a, it's a quality, it's a God-given grace that, that evokes a willingness on the part of others to follow. Um, let me read you and then I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. Um, you, you have an ability to see the overall picture and clarify long-range goals in any situation. You attract people easily to yourself. Um, a tendency to assume responsibility if no leadership structure exists. When there's a vacuum, you're, you pretty much run into it. Um, a tendency to view life in terms of plans and goals. You like projects, and, and very frankly, you're better with projects than you are people. And that's one of the downsides of your gift. Um, people can get run over by you. Um, but guys, can I say this? Um, <laughs> um, just in terms of, I do not think I have the gift of leadership either. That's not what I consider my gift, but I'm, I'm in a, and I'm in a role of leading, but I'm not sure I have the gift of that. Um, but I say this to you, if you think you have the gift, just know this. There's a huge price tag to this one. Huge price tag. Unlike many of the others, there's a huge price tag to this one. Listen to me. Uh, you might like the idea of ruling. You might like the idea of leading. There's a price tag to this. There's not a price tag to giving or, you know, exhorting, but there's a price tag to this one. I, I remember, um, uh, I, I, I've read Eisenhower's, uh, it's his biography, it's not, but um, it came out about seven years ago. And, you know, the whole idea when D-Day uh, arri arrived um, and all the things that were going wrong, you know, the weather, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and Eisenhower is in knowing that he's sending thousands of people to their death. And, and, um, and it was just people were criticizing him and that's not the right time to do this and yada, 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 yada. And, and then it, it occurred and it happened and the war was won and then he came back as a hero. Everybody loved him then. But in the midst of the leading, ladies and gentlemen, there's a huge price. I'll tell you just a much, much smaller, smaller, smaller smaller story um many of you don't know this but years ago we and by the way this is not this is not a knock on ecs ecs is a fine institution and it's a good it's a good functioning christian school i i'm a i'm a fan i'm on my board out there and brian miller is a man that i wish i could be more like but um uh i forget the years now but we had a branch of ecs in our back hallway did y'all know that that uh for they signed a contract for three years, and then they they signed. It was it had a three-year option. Well, we come to the end of the three years, and guess what? They exercised their option. So we had an ECS branch here for six years, and as both institutions grew, it became a harder and harder marriage. 
I mean, they were using our paper products. They were telling our secretaries where, uh, what to do. They, they told Dale where they wanted him. They, they showed up in rooms that they weren't supposed to be in. They were, they, were, they were parking in places they weren't supposed to park it. And it was just friction, friction, friction after friction. I mean, uh, daily working it all out, um, it, it got harder because they had expanding needs and we had expanding needs for our, our present facility. So at the end of that six years, the headmaster came out. And, and it, it wasn't the present one. Uh, in fact, his name was George. But George came out to see me and he said, you know, um, we'd like to uh, maybe consider extending this. And I said, uh-uh. <laughs> no, it's in. Uh, we've, 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 we've satisfied the contract. You've been here for six years? No, never, never. Nine, Neil, it won't happen. Uh, over my dead body. I don't think I said all that. But, I mean, that's how I felt. Well, ladies and gentlemen, at that, after, after it was made known that I was a big opponent of this, I got butchered. One of our ladies, she's not here tonight, but she normally comes on a, on Wednesday nights. One of the ladies of our congregation uh, ran into an ECS parent in, it was Cecil's back then. It's Schnook's now, but the Cecil's right up here. And they were just, you know, walking through the, the aisle and, and um, you know, shopping, and they ran into each other. And, and uh, uh, this woman asked this person, where did she go to church? And, and she says, well, I go to Grace Evangelical Church. And the woman said to her, don't get me started on that Jimmy Young. (laughs) I mean, took my head off, and it was over this thing about ECS, and then we're not re-upping. So as a result of them not re-upping, they went down here, down to Dogwood, and and built this branch. Y'all know that. When the branch was opened, the board met out at the branch and invited me to come. And I was hailed as the hero, as the man who ultimately was responsible for seeing this branch come into being. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that wasn't so. I mean, you know, but at that point, man... I was a dude then, you know, got this nice shiny building here and, and you know, we wouldn't have had it, Dr. Young, it hadn't been for you. And, and you know, my role was, I said, you gotta get out of here. That, that was all I, but guys, do you, I hope you see what I'm saying. You know, don't get me started about that Jimmy Young. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's plenty to talk bad about Jimmy Young, but it wasn't that. But it's, you think you got this, my brother and sister? Great. We need you to lead us. But you better know that, that there's a cost to this one. I know of a Christian institution right now, a good Christian institution, where the, where the leader of that institution is being utterly vilified because he is trying to effect a piece of vision. Now, he's, he's just still in the vilification part. I don't know whether they're going to hail him a hero later on or not. I have a sense they probably will. That's probably 10 years from now. But right now, he's the one that's leading this institution to do certain things. And I'm telling you, he is... I'll tell you this. He wants to quit. How do I know that? He told me. I don't blame him. I'm just telling you, leadership, this ruling thing, I got all the characteristics if you want to see them. But before you get all romanticized by being the leader or a leader or the ruler, 
You might want to consider the gift of giving, maybe. You know, that's, that's, that one's painless. Uh, this one uh, comes with its own um, a bottle of, of Motrin. Um, okay, here's the last one, guys. We've got five minutes, uh, four minutes, actually, to um, uh, the one who does acts of mercy. Now, guys, of all the 15 gifts, the one that I know you know that I don't have, <laughs> um, <clears throat> there is no doubt and, and no question in anybody's mind um, uh, whether or not, I mean, but you may have it. And I know a couple people who do. Uh, and I think you know them, too. Um, uh, the gift of mercy is the ability to feel a, kind of a, a genuine compassion and empathy for individuals, both Christians and non-Christians, by the way. Um, particularly if those people are, dis- are suffering some kind of disturbing um, physical or mental, emotional problems. Um, and so what, what moves them into action is seeing and, and sensing that there is um, um, pain on the part of people that they know. Um, do know this, that, by the way, here's another one. I mean, this, they're like them all, but just because these people have the gift of mercy doesn't let the rest of us off the hook. Um, mercy is, is not simply compassion, but Mark Lloyd-Jones described, or, or defined it like this. Mercy is pity in action. It has action steps to it, ladies and gentlemen. That is, you don't just feel things, you want to do things. You want to move in a direction of alleviating pain and need. Um, you, you, um, you have an attraction you have an attraction to and an understanding of people who are in pain. Um, you have a greater concern for mental distress than physical distress. Um, I, there is something that's true of you, ladies and gentlemen, that um, <laughs> there's an avoidance on your part of, of anything hard. It's very hard for somebody with the gift of mercy to do something that's hard. They don't like to do the hard things. They... they um, um, they're, they're the slowest to come on board when something hard needs to be done. And that, that may be you. But guys, uh, understand that if that's who you are, then your avoidance of firmness is going to lead people to, uh, to believe that you are weak, that you're indecisive, that you're, um, that you're mushy. Um, that's just one of the misunderstandings that's going to come along with your gift. But um, the thing that is most troubling to you is to see somebody that's suffering, not so much from a surgery, but, for instance, a divorce or something, because you, you, um, you, you, you find it very difficult to watch people in pain. Um, that's, a, that's a gift of mercy. Um, there's all kinds of characteristics if you think that may be who you are, but we don't have time to go over them. Uh, those are four more gifts that, that, that God the Holy Spirit has placed into the body and he expects them to be used for the, on, for the ongoing upbuilding of the body of Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I, I do pray that you would help folks identify who they are and who you've equipped them to be uh, within the body of Christ and that, that what what they end up doing is finding the greatest joy in simply being what you made them to be. Um, Lord, if you, um, 
if you will, would you unfreeze some of the frozen assets that sit in this room? Would you, um, would you put them into the game? Would you get them off the bench and put them into the game, Lord, and where they can find the exhilaration of being used by the God who made them for the expansion of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of ministering this book among these people who have such interest in holy things. Might Gracie Van um, move forward, uh, not to grow numerically, but to be more useful to you in the expansion of the kingdom of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks and good night.